All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and begin, begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and, and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy to the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power and that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father we pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word and may you receive glory and honor in Jesus name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on encouraging the church through the hard times of life. Encouraging the church through the hard times of life. Now, when you think about Paul here writing the second epistle uh, to the church of Thessalonica, he wants to encourage these believers here because they're still going through uh, this time of persecution and tribulation. We know that persecution and tribulation comes uh, in all believers' lives at some point. In, in our life. And uh, in those moments, in those times, it's always good to receive a word of encouragement. And so Paul is going to do that in this first chapter. He is going to encourage uh, these believers and he's going to, uh, in, these, in this text here, I want you to notice that as Paul uh, encourages them that there's three different words that comes to my mind that I would like to use concerning uh, Paul's encouragement uh, to these believers in the hard times of life. The first word that I want you to to think about is found uh, in the first four verses here. Uh, Paul gives them an encouragement of praise. Uh, Paul being the spiritual man that he was and, uh, and was concerned about the well, uh, spiritual well-being of these believers here. And so Paul wants to encourage them. He wants to lift them up. And he does this uh, in these first four verses. I want you to see here that as Paul gives them this encouragement of praise that uh, we see here that he reveals the right type of greeting in doing the he said, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. The first three names that, uh, or the first, these three names that we see in this first verse here are three tremendous names here. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. These were three great men of God. And I, I don't know about you, but, but what greater encouragement could this church have received uh, than to hear that what is going to be said is from the heart of these three men. Uh, God was using 
uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, to evangelize and win this church and then to uh, establish this church and now to encourage this church. And so uh, they're fixing to receive this letter uh, from the hand of Paul, the heart of Paul, but also Paul includes uh, these men here. So Paul had the, the right greeting here as he uh, <clears throat> chose to encourage them, the people of Thessalonica. And then he mentions God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, he encourages them uh, from the standpoint of man, but he also gives them a divine encouragement as he mentions their heavenly Father and their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he reveals the right greeting. Then Paul reveals the right grace as he said, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's interesting because Paul, we know, was a grace preacher and he preached the gospel of the grace of God amongst the Gentiles. And in this text here, he uses the word grace, but he also uses the word peace. Now, the word grace was a word that was common amongst the Gentiles, and certainly it was in those days uh, uh, amongst them. And then the word peace is a word that was commonly used amongst the Jews, you know, uh, that they would use the word shalom, which means peace. And so what Paul does is he takes the word that's common amongst the Gentiles and the word that's common amongst the Jews, and being the unifier that he is, he brings that together within this, uh, this greeting. So Paul reveals uh, the right greeting. He reveals the right grace. And then uh, he reveals the right gratitude in verse number 3. He said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Now think about this. Paul here, uh, he uses the word bound. And that word bound means to be under obligation. And Paul said that we're under an obligation uh, to give thanks for you always. This church had been such a refreshment. They had been such a blessing to the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, through their fellowship and through their uh, steadfastness to endure hard times that Paul said we are under obligation to be thankful uh, for the church. And you know, I think today that we as believers, we're under that same obligation to be thankful for the church when we consider uh, how much the church has influenced our life. And, And we listen, we know it's the Lord that influences our life, but God uses the church. And you think about the fellowship and you think about the strength and the encouragement that you have received from from your local assembly, from going to the house of God with your church family. Uh, Listen, we're bound to give thanks for that. And so Paul mentions that here and he uses the right gratitude. And then Paul uses the right glory. Notice in verse number 4, he said, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. He said, for your patience and faith uh, in all your persecution and tribulation that ye endure. Now think about this tonight. Uh, this here in this text. Uh, Paul is thankful and Paul is giving glory to the church. Now there's nothing wrong with giving glory to the church. Uh, Sometimes when uh, people stand up and give glory to the church it can make God sick. Other times when we give glory to the church it can be pleasing unto the Lord. You might say, well preacher, what's the difference in glorifying God uh, or glorifying the church and making God sick or glorifying the church and and magnifying the Lord and Him being pleased with it? I'll be honest with the difference is all in the in the motive of that. If you get up in glory, glory in the church, but it is to ultimately glory in God, then it pleases Him. If you glorify the church and, and build up the church and edify the church with the wrong motive and God does not get the praise, He does not get the glory, then it sickens the Lord. But Paul has the right motive here. He has the right glory because he's praising this church that God might be glorified through them. Amen? 
Now, that's the purpose of, of the church is that we might evangelize the world, but even more importantly, that we might bring glory to God by doing His will. And so uh, Paul praises this church. And the reason uh, that he praises this church is because you will notice in verse 3 and 4 that Paul finds five positive things here that he encourages this church through praise. You say, what are you saying? Well, look at verse number 3. He said, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith grows exceedingly. So he praises this church uh, for uh, uh, their growing faith. And I think you can praise your church uh, when you look around and you see uh, believers growing in their faith or getting stronger spiritually. That's something worthy to stand up and, and thank God that, that the church is doing well spiritually. It's always a blessing to watch people grow uh, in the Lord and see God change their life and see their, their walk with God grow, uh, progress and get deeper. And that's what Paul is saying here. He He said that your faith groweth exceedingly. So he gives them an encouragement of praise because of their growing faith. Then he gives them an encouragement of of, uh, praise because of their abounding love. Look what he said in verse number 3. He said, The charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Paul is excited because here is a church that's abounding in love. They're growing in faith, but they're abounding in love. They're they're loving one another. They're, They're standing with one another. You know, that ought to be a common thread in every church amongst believers is that we love each other. Well, there ought to be no friction. There ought to be no division amongst the church. There ought to be no, uh, no fussing or arguing, but, but church members ought to love each other and they ought to stand with each other. And so Paul is praising them because he found abounding love and growing faith. And then he found increasing patience. Look what he said in verse number 4, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience. Amen. Here is a church that, that was increasing in patience. Now we need that in our churches today. It takes patience to get along with each other. It takes patience to disciple young believers. It takes patience to uh, do the work and the will of God. We don't always see the results uh, when we want to receive uh, we want to see them, but we are to be patient. And here's a church that uh, through their trials, through their hard times in life, there was their patience was increasing. And that's what the Bible says that tribulation worketh patience into our life. And and then he found a multiplying testimony in verse number 4. He said, so that we ourselves glory in you, uh, the churches of God. And so Paul says, you've got a good testimony amongst other churches. You have uh, other churches are recognizing your growing faith, your abounding love, your increasing uh, patience, and uh, your multiplied testimony. I think every church ought to have a good testimony in the community. You ought to have a good testimony amongst other churches. Uh, listen, we as believers, when we're out at town and someone asks us where we go to church, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be proud to say where we go to church and uh, not have to hang our head because our church has a black eye or has a bad testimony. And so he praises this church because of a multiplying testimony. And then he praises this church because he found a fascinating endurance. The Bible says here uh, in the latter part of verse number 4 that their patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulations that ye endure. Now I remind you, in 1 Thessalonians, they were going through tri- uh, tribulation and, and persecutions. 
And then in 2 Thessalonians, they're facing more persecutions, so, but they're enduring those persecutions. They are being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So Paul gives them a, a, an encouragement of praise here. He wants to encourage the church through the hard times of life. So he does that first of all by praising them for the good things uh, that he sees going on in that church. And I think that as believers, when we come to the house of God, we ought to not look and focus on the negative things in church. We ought to not point out the negative things in church. We ought to not talk about those negative things, but we ought to encourage people, build people up, build the church up, and we ought to find the good things in church. You may know the bad about the church, the negative things, but for every one thing that you can find wrong with your church, I'm sure you can find 15 or 20 positive things about your church. and So you ought to have a positive Outlook. We uh, outlook on life. We should all uh, have a positive outlook about our church, and so Paul encourages the church by uh, by praise. And then we see here that he gives them an encouragement uh, of promise in verse number five, down through verse number ten. Paul reminds the church in their difficult times of these uh, of these key promises. Here, there's the promise of reward in verse number five. He said, "Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that." She may be in, that she may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. So he promises them that there is going to be a, a reward. God will take care of you. You're going to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. We ought to be reminded of that in the hard times of life that there is going to be a payday someday and that God's promise will come about, that God will reward us for our faithfulness. He will reward our church for, for being faithful faithful to Him and and serving Him in the hard times of life. So there's the promise of reward. And then there's the promise of of recompense. Notice what He said in verse number 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing uh, with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And so He talks about uh, recompense that God is going to uh, bring recompense uh, uh, to those that have turned against Him and against the church. And then in verse number uh, Verse number 9, again, he talks about who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory uh, of His power. He talks about them that know not God and obey, obey not the gospel. Paul says they're not going to get by. God is going to recompense. He is going to, uh, to bring everything into judgment. When you think about God's judgment, these verses reveal the judgment of God. They have to do with the day of the Lord. And uh, he deals with the judgment of God in verse 5 that it's going to be a righteous judgment. He says that. He talks about which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. He says it's going to be a reverse judgment in verse number 6. Those that have troubled you, one day he says God is going to trouble them. And then it's going to be a revealed judgment. Notice the Bible said in verse 7, and to who and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Talking about Revelation chapter 19. Whenever Jesus comes back 
We know that when He comes, uh, during that time when our Savior comes, that uh, it's going to be a revealed judgment. The Bible said in Revelation 1 and verse 8, talking about this context here, he said, Behold, every, he said, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. In that day of judgment, when Jesus comes back to repay all those that have troubled uh, the people of God and they've troubled the, the nation of Israel, it's going to be a revealed judgment. It's going to be a reverse judgment, a righteous judgment. It's going to be a revenge judgment. Look what he said in verse number 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on, on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, God is going to take out His vengeance, the Bible said, with flaming fire. The Word of God said in Revelation 19 that His eyes were as a flame of fire. It's going to be a time like the world has never seen before a revenge judgment. And then in verse number 9, it's going to be a real judgment. Notice the Word of God said, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Friend, this is going to be a real judgment. And then it's going to be a rejoicing judgment. The Bible says that when in verse 10, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So this judgment, he gives them this promise that there is a payday for the saint and there's a payday for the sinner. There's a payday for those that love God and there's a payday for those that hate God. And I'll tell you, there's a promise to us that are saved that God will vindicate us. God will bring vengeance upon this earth. He will bring, bring vengeance unto the heathen and God will uh, bring recompense, uh, my friend, uh, to those that, uh, that have trusted in His name. This judgment, uh, listen, will be a judgment uh, that we'll see in the last days. The tribulation will be a time of judgment upon this world. And Paul is going to deal in the next chapter with the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. And he talks about that uh, that in that day of the Lord that it's going to be a day of judgment. So we know that God is a God of judgment. There's five major judgments in the Bible. There is the judgment of sin at Calvary. There's the judgment of saints at the judgment seat of Christ. There is the judgment of sinners at the great white throne judgment. There's the judgment of states or nations. We know that in Matthew chapter 25, and we also know that there is the judgment of Satan, that one day God will put him in the, in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and then he'll be loose for a season and finally cast into uh, the lake of fire. God is a God of judgment, and God will keep his promise as he has said uh, in, the, in his word. So Paul encourages these believers through the hard times of life by giving them a, a word of encouragement and courage encouragement of praise, by giving them a word of encouragement, uh, an encouragement of promise, but then giving them another word of encouragement in verse number 11 and verse number 12. And it is a, a word of encouragement. And uh, he, he talks about here the encouragement of prayer. He said, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul in this text here, he gives this church 
a word of encouragement of prayer. And Paul, I want you to notice in verse number uh, 11 that Paul's prayer for the church was steady. He said, wherefore also we pray always for you. Paul mentions that several times. Uh, in his writings, how that he prayed always for the church. I think this had to be a great blessing to this church because of the hard times that they were going through to know that such a great man of God as the Apostle Paul was praying always for them, that they could depend upon the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Can your church depend upon you to pray for them? Can your church depend upon you uh, to be steady in your prayer life? Do you pray for the membership? Do you pray for the Sunday school teachers? Do you pray for the pastor and his wife and those that are in leadership, the deacons and their wives? And do you pray for the, the choir leader and the choir and the, those that play the instruments? Uh, listen, we're under obligation. We ought to pray always for our church, the many ministries and, and programs and things that goes on within the church. Do you take the time uh, to pray? Do you take that church directory and go through it and look at those faces and those names and, and pray for those individuals and those people? I mean, listen, when you think about... Uh, when you think about uh, Uh, The Apostle Paul, he carried a burden for this church through the hard times of life. And he could encourage them by being uh, uh, steady in his prayer. And then Paul's prayer for the church was not only steady, but notice in verse number 11, it was specific. He said that, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Paul was specifically praying that God's good will and pleasure would be accomplished and that God's, uh, that the work of faith with power would be wrought in, the, in this church's life. And Paul had a specific prayer. You see, the church not only knew that Paul was praying for them, but they knew what Paul was praying for them. And I think that's important when we tell people that we're praying for them. We ought to tell them what we're praying for them. And when we say that we're praying for the church, we ought to be specific in what we're asking God about concerning our our church and I think that's important that every member be specific in their prayer life and you ought to start a a prayer list for your church and you ought to look around and see the needs in the church, things that cannot be fulfilled through the work of their hands and and say dear God would you help us and and would would you grant this and then those things that can be fulfilled through the work of your hands you ought to pray Lord would you bless the labor of our hands God would you do more than what we're capable to do to do and and pray for your church specifically and pray for your church uh, steady and then Paul's prayer for the church was sincere notice what he says in verse number 12 that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you you see when Paul prayed for the church his motive was that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified Paul was not telling the church that he was praying for them so that he could get a pat on the back or so that someone would think he was spiritual. But Paul was praying for the church sincerely that God would get the ultimate glory in the end. You know, that's something that prayer will do in our life is that prayer puts the focus off ourself and it puts the focus on God. It drives that point home that, and it causes us to reflect back on our motive. Why do we pray? We pray that God would be glorified, that His will would be done in and through the church and amongst the people. We pray that God would be pleased with the church, and that's the only way God can get glory, is for Him to be pleased, for Him to be honored, and for Him to be glorified. And so Paul's prayer for the church, he encouraged them by saying that he was praying specifically 
specifically, sincerely, and then Paul was praying steady for them. I want to close with this thought. Do you pray for your church? Do you praise your church? Do you cling to the promises of the Word of God when the hard times of life come? How can you be an encouragement to your church? By lifting your church up. And by lifting them up in prayer, by reminding believers of the promise. Don't be a, a negative Nelly. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Uh, uh, be someone that goes around and builds faith amongst the saints and encourages the saints and helps the saints to carry on and go on for the honor and the glory of God. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you, dear Lord, for such an encouragement in this passage of Scripture how that Paul was able to encourage uh, this church in the difficult, the hard times of life. God, I pray that uh, we would strive to do the same. Lord, help us not to be guilty of ever uh, being a stumbling block to the church or a hindrance to our church. But, dear God, I pray by the things that we say, the things that we do, and our involvement in the church that we'll be a blessing and an encouragement and a benefit uh, to the people of God and the house of God. And for what you do, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.